Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the 4 Press Podcast, presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusek, and in this episode, my guest is GolfWeek, GolfWeek.com, as well as USA Today Sports senior writer Beth Ann Nichols. Beth Ann is pretty much the best in the business when it comes to women's golf and the LPGA Tour. So in this podcast, Beth Ann and I preview the U.S. Women's Open. We talk about the course, Champions Golf Club in Houston, Texas. We discuss the importance of the event itself, the U.S. Women's Open, on the calendar, especially this year. And we talk at length about some of the contenders, including Si Young Kim, Daniel Kang, So Yuan Ru, and others. So sit back and enjoy. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring For the Winds, Steven Ruiz and Chris Corman. I know people are like just assuming that this is an upgrade at the quarterback position, but I don't think we could say that for a fact. I'd say it's, it's a downgrade. He never really had game-to-game impact just coming off the edge and destroying people that we thought when we saw his athleticism in college and at the combine. And- the Counter, diving deeper into the NFL with advanced stats, film study, and expert guests. This is The Counter. Listen and subscribe to The Counter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, the turkey may be all gone, but one of my favorite people to talk to here on the Forward Press Podcast, Beth Ann Nichols, is back. It wouldn't be the holidays. It wouldn't be um the holiday season for me without talking to one of my favorite people so beth ann welcome back to the forward press let's talk u.s women's open but uh before we get into that how was thanksgiving for you and uh you and the hubs it was quiet quiet but nice so and my my husband um always buys a second turkey so that he can have more leftovers so the turkey technically uh, is it gone? He still has another one in the freezer. <laughs> that's that's so outstanding. Like a lot of grocery stores, you know, run the promotion. Like you know, if you buy enough stuff in the days leading up to Thanksgiving, you get your turkey for free, or you know, you do all these different. That's brilliant. I mean, we've got an outdoor <laughs> freezer. I can have a flock of turkeys. I love the turkey. To me, it's like, oh yeah, it's not just a lunch meat. I, you know, did you do you guys do anything special the way you make it, or is it pretty much the the Norman Rockwell toss that bad boy in the oven and 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 present and carve up? You know, Ben just ordered something that came in the mail, some kind of a bag. That he, I, I don't mm, even know. Like you he's got it. some new newfangled things he's going to try. Oh, um, and, and so we'll we'll see. I I let him take care of that. We uh, <laughs> I, I I do the turkey every year, and this year I spatchcocked it, which sounds like something really dirty that you shouldn't be able to say <laughs> on a podcast. It just basically is a fran- a fancy way of saying like you cut out the backbone so you can butterfly it, and then it can cook ah. faster. And it stays good. And I, I brined it up for a couple days. And we had, it was just the four, we had no leftovers. We By the by the second day, we had just enough to make turkey enchiladas, 
which is our traditional oh. day after Thanksgiving feast, there is no turkey to be had here in Connecticut. <laughs> we we finished that bird off. Um, <laughs> now I've taken I, I went up on Instagram and I checked out your account. I saw that um, Ben also put together a lovely little holiday place setting. Like there, there's you've got Christmas <laughs> stuff up. You guys just beautifully transition like Ernie L's at the top of the backswing. You transition oh, yeah. right from one holiday to another, don't you? Yeah, we typically Fridays to Saturday to get right into uh, into the Christmas decorating spirit. So um, although Ben gets started on the outside a little earlier than that, much to my uh, dismay. but <laughs> Honey, know. it's Labor Day. Put, put, put Santa away. It's just Labor Day. <laughs> I know, but our, our neighbors encourage it, which doesn't help me either. So, <laughs> uh, so there we go. So no, it, it's it's not quite uh, Clark Griswold over here, but, <laughs> yeah. it's, but it's young still. <laughs> well, you know, you've got years to keep acquiring, you know, you know, it's just stuff and tchotchkes, as we say on my team. And it's just, you know, it's it's fun. I enjoy it. I, I got into it. Um, it's weird to think that you're going to be putting up holiday lights and decorating trees and the U S women's open is here. I mean, and you know, we're here, we are talking about this um, champions golf club, Houston, Texas is going to be the site. And I want to ask you, unfortunately, because the reality of the playing the open happened obviously because of COVID and because of the pandemic. And um, I was at the U S open at Wingfoot golf club back in September and can tell you that there was a little while there in the spring when we didn't know if the U S open was going to happen. And for obvious reasons, everybody needed to take a lot of precautions. I talked to Mike Davis about it and he told me that, um, there were phone calls made about moving it away from New York, which at that point was a real hotbed of, uh, unfortunately virus infections and things to potentially Riviera country club. And they said that they could host it in Los Angeles. If need be no fans or whatever, it never came to that. We had a U.S. open Bryson DeChambeau wins in September, Aside from moving the date, um, was there ever, to your understanding, any thought of the U.S. Women's Open this year not being played? Well, no, because I think the, the the beauty of it is that it you know it was in Texas, which you know like like my home state here, Florida, has has been pretty open, very open, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 thankfully, uh, Champions has has two golf courses that can be utilized, so. Um, you know, it was an early call to move it to December and I think it was a fantastic move. Um, obviously, (laughs) uh, but, but I mean, you know, I, I, I think it just all worked out as good as it possibly could have for, for where the U S women's open was scheduled this year. So, um, you know, it's, 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 I love the fact that the USGA was able to keep the field at 156 players because Mm -hmm. with the purse, this size, you know, it's, it's a life changing tournament for for so many people it can be so it's been a tough year financially for a lot of players and you're you know you're gonna have symmetric tour players in the field ladies european tour players you know young pros uh, i believe there are over 40 first time players in this field this year that's great so um so it's it it, uh, you know you, you really can't overstate how important it is that this this particular major is happening so there's debate amongst fans and talking heads like us and and sometimes the players get pulled into this we try and pull them into this as far as on the men's side which of the major championships is the most meaningful or quote-unquote the most important and I think some people will be in the camp that the Masters is the one sometimes we we ask players this 
in sort of a couching way, like if you could only win one of them, which one would you want to win? That seems to be sort of the, the workaround question. And um, I've asked it to players, and depending on where they're from, it has a large impact on how they answer it. You get, I think, amongst the American players, the U.S. Open, the Masters, a lot of the European Tour players or players who are more international coming into the U.S. that I would talk to, the Open Championship, the British is sort of the one that they want. Is is the U.S. Women's Open and the women's game, in your, in your opinion, the most important women's golf tournament on the calendar? Oh, without question. Um, and I, I, I will say, though, that the other majors, KPMG in particular, and then now uh, the RNA as well with uh, taking over the, the British Open, mm-hmm. um, that, that they've really pushed the Women's Open recently to get better because they're, the women's PGA has been doing a fantastic job with, um, you know, with s- small details that are important to players um, mm-hmm. and, and, and also going to, to, to big-time venues. And so the USGA is, is upping the ante on t- taking the women's open to, to, to better courses, um, you know, Olympic Club next year, Pebble Beach down the road. But yeah. I mean, historically speaking, from, you know, from the beginning of, of this championship on, it, it is it is definitely, you know, the championship. I mean, certainly you have European players, British players that they want to win the British Open and, 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 and would point to that as, as their most important major. But but I, I mean, look at how much the South Koreans have dominated the U.S. Women's Open. Um, you know, of course. Terry Pak has made this the championship. All the Asian players want to win, mm-hmm. and of course, all the American players. Um, you know, you know, it goes without saying that, that this this is it. This is the life changing one, and the one that you know you you grow up pretending to to win on the putting green. <laughs> it's uh, it's the one. I mean, you mentioned obviously this year we're champions, and next year at Olympic in San Francisco, Pine Needles in twenty two, Pebble Beach twenty three. Lancaster Country Club in 24, and then Aaron Hills, a recent host of the, the U.S. Open, will be in 25. Obviously, the USGA is trying to up their game. We have seen the RNA and the Brit- the Women's British Open has been played on some wonderful, really historically significant, great links courses um, over the last decade. They've upped the game to it. Um, I guess when, when you sort of take a look at this, one of the things that I've been sort of knocking around as a series, and whoever's going to be listening to our podcast is maybe getting a little taste, and if they want to shoot over on Twitter, um, some follow-ups or some ideas to this. I've been thinking about this concept of what if, and it's that the idea is like, what if things that happened in golf, great events or, 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 or different things that happened had not happened. And obviously it's totally theoretical and there's no way that we can ever know this. But one of the things that I was thinking about is what if Paula Creamer does not win her U S open at Oakmont? How do we look at that one singular event? It, it changes the way that we look at her as a player. It changes the way we look, for example, at Michelle Wee. What if she had not won her U.S. Women's Open the week after um, Martin Keimer wins at Pinehurst? You know, one of my favorite events that having back-to-back opens at the, at the same venue. I, I just love that whole idea. Can, can I throw that unfair question at you? What happens if Paula Creamer, how do we think of her differently had she not won her U.S. Open? Well, I think I think it's fair to say that we thought both of those players would have done more than they have done, to, mm-hmm. to, to be honest. So, um, so I, I, but I mean, they would have they would have been underachievers, no question. I mean, in, in uh, colossal underachievers, I would say, I would yeah. go so far as to say because you know those those two were were destined to win majors and multiple majors. So, 
Um, but the fact that the only one that they won was a U.S. Women's they Open. They got the right one. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because when, I'm, when an American superstar wins the U.S. Women's Open, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it takes you automatically to, to another level. So I think, um, for those two, it was expected. And, and I, I mean, I think back to when Michelle won, um, I was able to go with her, uh, to New York you, city. You were on the whole whirlwind. Her, yeah. Yeah. Her media tour. And, uh, and gosh, I thought it was a glimpse into the future. Um, because it, it was incredible the way she handled herself mm-hmm. uh, that day. And, um, you know, there, there isn't another, you know, player on tour that, that could have, that could have done it the way she did it. Um, and it, and it was, it was, I, I thought, wow, if we could, if we could have this every year, <laughs> and, then, and then it, it sort of never happened again. <laughs> well, but, I think that especially um, for her, if I can interrupt you for a second, we had been waiting for her to do that since what, 2006, really? I mean, she goes and I was there at Canoe Brook when she was going through sectional qualifying to get into the U.S. Open and the Met section, which Canoe Brook in New Jersey falls into, has different courses that they have like on a rota for U.S. Open sectional qualifying. And Canoe Brook has 36 holes and you can do the whole thing right there. And they'll host it, for example, for three years. And now, for example, this year would have been the first year we would have gone back to, um, I believe it was going to be Old Oaks and Country Club of Purchase, which are adjoining properties in Westchester County. But there's usually... 50 spectators 60 i mean it's you know maybe like uh wives or girlfriends maybe some parents some some people who live in you know and, and belong to clubs that are nearby when michelle we was there thousands of people no ropes it was an event we had been waiting for michelle we to do that and you and i talked a lot about michelle we in a podcast a while ago um but she was so uniquely set up like we, we had been waiting for that for a decade yeah, no, no, no question. And, and I have to say, so this, this year's women's open, we won't have Paula or Michelle. So mm. it's the first women's U S women's open without either of them since 2002, crazy. which is crazy to think about. And I was holding out hope that we would have Michelle, you know, this, this week that she would make her comeback next week, mm-hmm. um, as, as a mom and, and who cares what she shoots, you know, it would just yeah. be a fantastic storyline because this is the 75th U S women's open. And, you know, there's so much to celebrate at this milestone anniversary. And it would have been great to have, um, to have Michelle in the field and, and, you know, to sort of celebrate motherhood. Um, but you know, she, I know she was concerned about, traveling with their baby, um, you know, during the pandemic with their, they're not being a vaccine available. And, mm-hmm. um, and so ultimately she, she's decided not to play, but, uh, but you're right. I mean, we waited for a long time for that moment. And, and I, and I, I, I love that she won, you know, when she did at Pinehurst, you know, yeah. with the, with the back-to-back weeks, you know, definitely the women had the, the more exciting, uh, oh yeah! Oh, <laughs> showing uh, Adam, the Keimer the Keimer win was a snoozer. I mean, that was yeah, that was absolutely yeah. just no drama. People were just like looking for things to talk about because Keimer had that thing won basically after about forty eight holes. It was a foregone conclusion that that was that was going to happen. Um, you're going to be at Champions Golf Club. Tell me about what the protocols are and what things are uh, are going on as far as testing for you players tournament officials what, what do you have to do before you before you get to work 
Well, so it's recommended that you get a COVID test before you travel. So, um, so did that and I'm waiting on my results. And then, uh, once you arrive in Houston, uh, before you can go out to the golf course, you, you'll take, you know, all the media will take another COVID test, Mm -hmm. um, and should, should get those results, um, within 24 hours and then be able to go out the next day. So, um, every player is allowed two guests, um, and then they can also have two support, um, folks, you know, trainer, Mm -hmm. um, swing coach. So, um, and all those people will be tested as well. So it's not like you can, um, you know, have mom and dad come out one day and then, you know, interchange it and have, you know, your husband come out the next day. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so you only get the two, which is tough for someone like Stacey Lewis, who's from the woodlands or, or, or Cheyenne Knight, who's also from the woodlands, um, you know, to, to only have two people come out, but, you know, I know they're all just, just thrilled that this is even happening. Yeah. Um, Although they were holding out hope with with the the PGA Tour, you know, just recently uh, last month having fans in Houston that mm-hmm. that maybe the Women's Open would would have a few, but um, but you know I think the USGA is just taking every every precaution necessary because you know the stakes are high. It's a major, and, yeah. and you don't want you don't want anything to to get in the way of, of a champion being crowned. It's it's something that right now, and I've said this a few times in the podcast, you and I, I think have said it, you know, just conversations we've had over the course of this year. It's the year to be cool about stuff like this. You just have to understand that um, we are appreciative and thankful uh, in keeping with the spirit that we get to play this tournament, that the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour have been able to host events. There have been um, sports that haven't been able to do things. Everybody's been sort of cobbling stuff together. The NFL is postponing games, you know, for five or six days, people going on and off list, college football teams, you know, are having to, to cancel games. It's, it's been a tough year to be a fan. Um, I'm sure it's been an even tougher year to be a professional athlete and to have to navigate this or an organization like the USGA or the LPGA tour to be able to, to cobble together a schedule when safety and everybody's well-being has to be at the forefront, you know, and, and not that it wouldn't always be that way, but this is a whole new uncharted deal and i'm sympathetic that people maybe don't want to travel with kids or spouses and parents and swing coach like we can't come up with the right combination of passes to get everybody there but it's just the year to be cool about everything and and just to understand that um hopefully if if we get you know more good news in the spring and if vaccines become readily available to people then maybe the 2021 season for everybody looks a lot different than things look now, and I'm praying that that's the case. Um, I miss having fans there. I miss, you know, the whole thing. But it's it's just a year to be cool. I, I think with everything and just understand and appreciate the the things that we've got. One of the interesting things that we have is about this venue, two golf courses. How are they going to use the courses, and, and what's going to be the setup at Champions? So, um, so yeah, we have Cypress and the Jackrabbit course. Uh, so everyone will play the Jackrabbit course once, um, Thursday and Friday before the cut, and then the rest will be on Cypress. So a, a number of players have come in early because it's a lot to cram in two courses in three yeah. days. Um, and if they haven't been able to come, a lot have sent their caddies <laughs> in advance at least to do uh, some scouting reports. So. Um, you know, two very different golf courses in that, um, you know, Cypress is more wide open with enormous greens where we're hitting it into the right quadrant is going to be so important. Um, you know, you could have 70, 80, 90 foot putts. Um, and then, and then the Jackrabbit by contrast, you know, is more tree line has, 
has more dog legs, smaller green complexes. Um, you know, so, you know, it'll be, it'll be a challenge in the, in their Bermuda grass, you know, a lot of runoff areas, um, short games going to be, going to be paramount. Um, and, and of course the temperatures will be cool. It's not going to be as cold as it is right now in Dallas where the LPGA is, is currently freezing to death, but <laughs> <laughs> with some crazy wind, um, but, but it will, you know, it, it will be, you know, a, 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 a damp, um, you know, cold and, and the ball's not going to travel as far. I know they've had a lot of rain. Um, and so it's going to be, you know, it's going to play long, but the, but the good news is, you know, I don't think the rough is going to be what it would have been, uh, you know, in, in the traditional, um, time frame for this tournament. So mm-hmm. it won't, won't be as penal, but, um, but I, you know, I, I do expect it to play long. Is the use of the two golf courses a concession to daylight and having the size of the field that they've got, or was it always thought they'd play on two? No, this is all about daylight, uh, the new new time of year, um, in order to to maintain the 156 player field. So I think it was a fantastic call. I mean, obviously it's going to uh, present a challenge uh, to the players, and you know you could have you know some. You know, you're, you know, this, you, you face played this course on a, you know, more difficult weather day or whatever, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be different uh, playing the two golf courses. But again, as you say, with your theme of being cool, you know, everyone's just cool with the fact that 166, 156 players get to tee it up. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity that very easily could not have presented itself to people. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for whatever it takes to get it in. Um, is the perception amongst the women out there that the u.s women's open is set up to be the most challenging the most difficult tournament that they play that's that is the reputation that the usga has certainly not done anything to diminish and if anything has fostered it sometimes going over the line as far as the u.s open is concerned is is the same thing does the same thing hold true for the u.s women's open yes it's exactly what the women expect um you know and and i i mean like you know, with the rough this year, you know, there's only so much you could do with the, the, the time of year. So, yeah. so that, that, that will be a little bit different this year. Um, but, but with, you know, with the weather, uh, could, could make up for that challenge, um, and make it a little bit more difficult. And, and so, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I know some, some players have said they think, you know, it'll be a, a single digit, um, under par, but a single digit, uh, winning, winning number, they think, next week. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, they expect it to be, they expect it to be a challenge. I mean, that's, cer- that's certainly the reputation that, that, that the U S women's open continues to have well, the toughest s- test of the year. Yeah. We've seen single digit under par be around the winning score. I mean, there have been some years where some players have taken it a little bit deeper, but not many. Um, I think 10 under I've, I've seen, but a lot of times if you're just a couple under par, you're probably right in the mix. Um, now, yeah. I want you to tell me why Why shouldn't I jump over my closest gambling state, I think, to me, is still New Jersey. Um, <laughs> why should I not jump into my car right now, hustle in, and put a few dollars down on, say, Young Kim to win this thing? <laughs> no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to talk you out of that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm just know, looking think- at it, and she's the number two player in the world. She's won her last two stars, the Pelican Women's Championship and the KPMG Women's PGA. I looked at her stats. 16th in driving distance. She had 75% of the fairways and she's number one in greens and rag and number one in putts per green and rag. This thing's over before it even starts, isn't it? (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, I mean, it's and add to that, she she makes her her U.S. home base in Texas, yeah. so she's she's used to to that to the grass and those conditions. Um, maybe not in December because usually she's back in Korea at this time, but um, but but certainly, um, you know, is familiar with Bermuda. So um, I, I definitely think expect her to have a strong week. Um, but you know, I mean, I think. Uh, as confident as she is, I do think that the U.S. Women's Open um, is the toughest one to win, and especially mm-hmm. for a South Korean, the most important one to win. So I think she'll feel uh, even more pressure. I think this time, um, I know, I know it'll be different because she's already won a major. So, and, and right. I, I say that it'll be she'll feel more confident because she's already done it. And and ironic is a extremely tough test so she so she she won her major in a dominant way on a very tough test so you know that that we we will not take away from that but i do think that mentally um for a south korean you know you you really want to win the u.s women's open um and that and and i think uh, as much as you know that that's so many have done it um in in recent years uh that she wants to be part of that group and i think that that being said in B Park, um, you know, no one's been, um, you know, as, as dominant as in B Park, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the U.S. Women's Open. Um, and, and no one's a better lag putter than in B Park. And so I look at these big greens yeah. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and, and her beautiful speed. And, uh, and I think, wow, maybe, you know, it, it, maybe this is a, in, in B's year. Um, it just depends on how long the course plays, you know, uh, obviously that'll, that'll be a, a, a big uh, component because you know Say Young certainly a, a bigger hitter than than Envy. Um, and then an, the only you know another player that's been extremely consistent. I mean, and the only person who's had as many top five finishes uh, in the two thousands uh, since two thousand in the U.S. Women's Open is Annika Sorensen and So Young Yu. And So Young comes back uh, this week. She's playing well, I was gonna, for the first time since yeah, February. I was going to bring her up. I mean, obviously, she she wins in 2011. She's got five top five finishes in her last seven appearances in this event. Um, she's been playing, you know, these things really well. But but she hasn't been in the U.S. Tell people who may not be sort of aware what she did basically when COVID sort of came through. How did she go about spending her time? It's pretty funny, I think. Yeah, so she went. She went back to to South Korea, and uh, you know, of course, she took some time off, and then uh, she she teed it up in the uh, the Korean Women's Open, and she, and she won it, and uh, and she she said she felt like she was a guest on the KLPGA, even though she played it for several years before she came over to to the U.S. And uh, but, you know, she felt, you know, she was an LPGA player, you know, that was kind of an outsider, you know, and then she she went and she she won an event that she wanted to win her whole life. She wanted to run her own national open. And she did that. And then she was kind of like, no, I'm kind of satisfied now. I think I'm I'm, uh, my 2020 season is complete. (laughs) You wrote you wrote a story that appears right now on golfweek.com. People can look this up. But you said that, you know, she enjoyed her time back at home in Korea so much. She didn't want to leave, especially eating breakfast at 830 with her folks, which seems to me like one of these (laughs) things is like talk to people about how she had to leave and and how going back a little bit was, as you sort of hinted at, like a very different kind of experience, which I think for a lot of people would be surprising. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
she said she, because she'd been in America for so long competing, you know, the idea of being able to wake up every morning at seven and then have a routine where at eight thirty she would have breakfast with her parents. How that, how much she enjoyed that, uh, that family time. And and she, you know, she's been a professional for thirteen years, and she thought I might not ever for a very long time have the chance to have a break like this again. And That's so. Awesome. Uh, so she was just soaking it in and, and, um, and played a lot of golf at new, new courses that she never played at in, in, in Korea. And, um, and then decided, you know, that, I mean, this is her, her championship. She's played so well at, uh, that she would come back for the last few events. She makes her home in Texas, said she got to her home. Um, and, and there were so many dead bugs everywhere <laughs> that she was completely, uh, grossed out and her vacuum died. So she had to do it all with gloves and a mask and a broom and spent two days, uh, cleaning her house. (laughs) So I, I love that because, you know, you know, sometimes you look at, you know, elite athletes. I mean, this is a former number one, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. you, you think they don't do normal stuff, you know, but you know, she wanted to go to Chipotle and have her chicken bowl and, and, you know, and, and it's just, I just love how, how normal she is, you know, cleaned her own house, got, got dirty with the, the bugs and, uh, and then, and then got back to work. So, um, you know, she's so young. I, I mean, I, I, I cannot say enough good things about Soyeon and, and her personality and how hard she works on her English to be able to communicate and, and share these great stories and, and um, in, in English. You know, I just she's been doing this for a long time, but she really takes it yep. seriously. It's important to her. And 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 it really it really means a lot for people to be able to connect with her. And and, and she's she's certainly a media favorite on that tour. You wrote that. um she was worried that because she had been in South Korea for so long that her English might be rusty, but that essentially it, it came back and that um, she wasn't, you know, did, didn't experience any problems. But it just sort of speaks to um, how conscientious in many cases these players are that they are making a real effort, as you as you say, to connect with fans, to to present themselves not simply as this indifferent athlete who is not going to try and ingratiate themselves on you know what is essentially for the most part not always the tour being played in the united states and english being the language that we speak here and here are these people trying to learn and to communicate with us in our language rather than assuming that everything is going to be always in korean or whatever language you know somebody happens to come into i i thought it was great it was one of my favorite stories i know it was a real quick thing for you to put together but i thought it was really interesting one of the players that you know, had the hottest start, the hottest start once golf started again for the women was Danielle Kang. Now she came back and she won a couple of events. The U S women's open has not been her cup of tea though. I mean, if you take a look, she missed the cut last year. She was fourth in 2018, but it's really been sort of up and down kind of indifferent finishes for her in U S women's open. Is that more her style doesn't suit the type of golf that the USGA is looking for, or do you think it's more been she just happened to not play well in weeks when the US Open was was taking place? Well, I think, you know, she's a two-time US Women's Amateur champion. So I think she appreciates USGA setups. I think she's mm-hmm. um, you know, she likes hard challenges. Uh that that that's her cup of tea. Um, but I do think that, you know, she's, she's been in the past a very, um, emotional player and has been really hard on herself. 
And sometimes that doesn't work to your favor at a U.S. Women's Open. No. But I think that she's um, grown a lot as a player, matured a lot as a player uh, in the last few years. And um, and I, I think she, I think she's ready for 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 this stage and this 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 type of um, championship. I mean, obviously she's already she's already a major winner, but uh, you know Inverness. Uh, is a is a U.S. Open golf course. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, hosted a, hosted a lot of uh, big tournaments, including the U.S. Open, and um and and that was where she won her first tournament back after the long break. She's taking another long break. I was gonna bring she that. I was gonna bring that up with you. The the last time she played was back in October at the LPGA Drive On at Reynolds. She was you know tied for a runner up finish. I think she got a runner up finish, a uh, second place. Too long, in your opinion, to be away from competitive golf, or is that just not going to be an issue to you? Well, I mean, when you look at what what she did after the long break, <laughs> winning winning yeah. two times the Suppose first two in a right. row, I think yeah, uh, I, I'm not worried about it, and I think it's very purposeful because I, I I think she, I mean, I haven't talked to her. I know she's I know she's been to champions to, to practice already, but um, but I'm I'm guessing that when we talk to her next week during during her pre tournament press conference, she's going to talk about preparation and 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 how purposeful she was in mm-hmm. taking this time off to prepare for this big finish. Uh, of of the CME and the US Women's Open where a, a lot is a lot is on the line and um and I, you know she was very purposeful in her practice uh did not uh you know she did a lot of grinding uh during during the LPGA's long covid break mm-hmm. and uh, and it and it showed uh when she came back out and won on two very different golf courses two very different conditions scoring conditions and um and so so I, I I actually think she's going to come out guns blazing because I think she's she's doing she's I think she's really preparing and and she's the type of player that um, you know she likes to go on Google Google Earth images and look at courses that she's not familiar with and oh and, and do and do a lot of prep work and she goes through um, you know she goes she goes through the round you know the night before in her mind and she she plays all the shots and plays. You know, she's she she does a lot of homework. Full on, so I think that yeah, full I think geek that's mode. what she's doing. Full yeah. geek, full, full golf geek mode. I love it. I think that's fantastic. I mean, that sounds like my buddies and I when we're planning an assault of Piners. You know, just for like, oh, <laughs> I can't. Wait. What, what are you going to hit off the off the you know the 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 tee on number four? Like, what what do you got? It's but this is their living. Like, I I commend it. I I think that a lot of the LPGA tour players would be better off. Uh, in many cases, you know, this is being the the stat nerd that I am and you and I have talked about this a bunch of times I I'm surprised that more of the women out there don't take it upon themselves in some cases to get more analytical looks at their game at at the different things that are proving to be successful if there are any misconceptions out there any player in my to to me that's willing to to do homework like that to give themselves a better opportunity to win good on you I I think that's that's great I, I think it's 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 sensational um I, I recently turned 50 about uh, a month and a half ago, and I've had many instances where I have been made to feel old. My son, Charlie, loves to call me old. Um, <laughs> being being 16, uh, you get to do that. Um, Lexi Thompson is not old. Um, no. But Lexi Thompson, as you wrote, has been playing in a lot of U.S. Women's Opens. Can you tell people about the story you wrote on Golf Week that, that she's basically played in – the U.S. Women's Open for almost half of her life at this point, which is insane. Yeah, more than half, actually. She, she's 25 years old, and this will be her 14th U.S. Women's Open Good. start. How is that possible? Which, 
is just nuts. She first qualified, of course, at age 12 and hasn't missed one since. Ugh. I mean, it's it's just the, the whole it's a streak that I think is just so mind blowing. I mean, you look at the fact that, you know, it's amazing, right. That she qualified at mm -hmm. age 12, but then that she also qualified at 13, 14, 15. Yeah. <laughs> like she just, backed it up. It was no fluke. Right. Right. I mean, it. I mean, honestly, it just absolutely blows my mind that, 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 that I, I guess. And, and Lexi's one of those players that she's been around for so long. You kind of lose track of how old she is, you know, and, and you kind of, Sometimes those things, you know, don't don't register so much because you're just so used to her being there, right? And and so it just kind of snuck up on me. And then when you look at the USGA has a um, the list, yeah, has an active streak list, mm -hmm. and uh, and and of course Paula's going to fall off of that list this year because uh, she's not playing. She was at 17. Kari Webb will fall off that list. She was at 24, leading the list. She's not playing this year. And so now all of a sudden, when Lexi uh, gets up here to 14, the only people ahead of her who are still active are, are Brittany Lang, who this will be her 16th, Angela Stanford, this will be her 21st, and Chrissy Kerr, this will be her 23rd. So only three players will who are active will have played in more consecutive U.S. Women's Opens than, than Lexi Thompson after this year, which is insane. Barring a um, an injury, or different health-related um, sort of circumstances, it is entirely possible. I mean, she's 25. If you give her to Kari Webb's age of 45, throwing another 20 on here, it's entirely possible that she gets to 33 to 35 consecutive U.S. Women's Opens, which is, I don't know what the record is off the top of my head. I'm sure we can fire up the Google machine and, and figure that out. But um, that's an unbelievable run. To be able to do that, starting, as, as you mentioned, at that age, starting at the age of 12, to be able to do it is is incredible. Now, this year, for her, she was fourth at the ANA, but aside from that, really hasn't put it together, has she? No, and, and you know, I mean, Lexi obviously gave it a run last year. At the, I mean, I, I thought, I thought Charleston was going to be her year, to tell you the truth. Um, yep. And I, I, I mean, it, it was... It just felt like like someone popped a balloon, you know, early on in that final round. Um, I when you know, I mean, Lexi, it, it all comes down to the putter, right? I mean, the putter is is basically the reason why she hasn't won a U.S. Women's Open. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. You know, she's she's taken quite a bit of time off. Um, she's not well. She played the Pelican, but she's not playing this week. Um, so you know, there's a there's a nice little stretch of several weeks, um, in the Florida sunshine, uh, at home to, to get some work in. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how she handles, you know, a, these large greens, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it's, uh, yeah. Big greens, big, I mean, big greens to me for people who aren't really good putters, big greens to me are almost like this security blanket that you, sometimes can it gives you a false sense of security you're on you've got the putter in hand um but if you are hitting a lot of 30 and 40 footers that puts a lot of pressure on lag putting as you had sort of talked about before about being able to you know handle speed the houston courses the courses at champions as i recall again i haven't been there in a while um 
the course looks relatively flat, but there's subtle undulation and movement in the golf course. There aren't nearly as many flat and even lies as you think. And some of those greens have some pretty big knobs and knolls on them. It's an older golf course. So over the years, when people are splashing sand out of bunkers, it builds up over time. And you end up having these knobs and ridges that can really play havoc with people. As you sort of said, if you're if you're in the wrong quadrant on the green in relation to where the hole is cut, it can be really hard sometimes on these big greens. It's great for your greens and reg, you know, percentage numbers. Your stat, that stat loves it. But boy, it's the three putt avoidance and and making sure that you're in a US Open leaving yourself if you miss, you know, kick-ins for par rather than yet another seven footer to save par. That to me doesn't sound like the recipe for what Lexi Thompson needs right now. Yeah, and and the and the USGA has has put together some some nice stats, which which I mean they have a great stats package that they've given us, and and Lexi Thompson since 2013, this is her her um, putts per round at, in just the US Women's Open since 2013. She is not ranked better than. T24. Mm. So, you know, where, whereas like last year, for example, she's, she's tied for third in greens and regulation and fourth in driving distance, yeah. but her putter puts, puts per green and regulation T34. Ouch. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it just kind of in her average for all of that since 2013, she's ranked second in driving distance at the US women's open, uh, greens and reg. She's, um, 18th and then putts per round 36.7 the tournament the tournament's designed to test your whole game and she obviously is passing the test until she gets to the greens and then she's yeah she's not getting it done what um before i let you go we've talked about some players we've talked about the golf course um what are going to be maybe one or two more storylines that you're going to be looking forward to covering while you're champions well i think um it'll be fun you know, to, to, to see how the Texans fare, there'll be seven Texans in the field. Um, you know, this is a a special week for them. It's really hard to believe that this is only the second time the U S women's open has ever been held in the state of Texas, given how many great players have, have come from the Lone Star state. So, uh, it's a special week for an Angela Stanford, for Stacey Lewis, for Cheyenne Knight. Um, and, and, you know, youngsters like Kristen Gilman, Lindsay Weaver, um, and there's some amateurs as well. So, um, so I'm looking forward to see how, how they handle the week and, and, and how it goes. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing Jackie Burke on the practice putting green, mm-hmm. um, you know, interacting with players. Uh, I really hope that, um, I know it's an important week and, and, and people will be, you know, hyper-focused, but, uh, especially, you know, in, in the, in the Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday lead up, I hope players take the time to, um, to spend some time with Mr. Burke and, and pick his brain and uh, ask him a few questions. Uh, you know, he's going to be 98 in January, the oldest living Masters champion. Um, you know, all the great golfers, you know, have gone through his golf course, <laughs> you know, yeah. in the past, you know, uh, past 60, 70 years. So, um, so he has, he has so many stories to tell and I hope players take the time to hear them. So, my piece of advice to you, there's a place called Tacos A Go-Go, which um, <laughs> went in Houston because I like to give tips to my friends. If you're looking for some queso, and if you're in Houston, you have to get oh. queso. You just, yeah. you just have to do it. Um, 
El Tiempo Cantina is pretty good, but my place is Tacos A Go Go. It's just north um, of downtown. I don't know. It's not really the time to be doing a whole lot of exploration. It's a time to be keeping everybody safe and to be doing the right thing. Um, should the opportunity arise, um, I'm not one to pass on the queso. Um, they do it. <laughs> I'm just not. So uh, while I'm while I'm there, maybe I'll have to sort of whip up a quick little batch while I'm watching this weekend. We're getting our first nor'easter here. Uh, they're saying that we in Connecticut could be getting um, at my house one and a half to two and a half inches of rain, which might turn to freezing rain depending on how uh, things go on Saturday. Good times. Yeah, it's going to be great. Wow. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, I don't want to hear any whining or complaining from the players <laughs> or from people in the media tent that it's a little chilly uh, in Houston. So, uh, yeah, travel safe, Biff. I really appreciate you giving us some time. I can't wait to watch. I am I'm 100% in on this tournament. And uh, thanks for giving us a preview. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, and stay warm. I'll, I'll be thinking of you when I get my queso to go. <laughs> and applying some SPF 30. All right, Biff, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Thanks. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... Uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.